the subject for the evening talk is love and understanding. Just a few weeks ago, I had a reminder of an incident in my uh, teenage years when I was about uh, 14. And this incident in connection with my father. And I had been doing what is called in England a paper round. And at that time, when I was about 14 years of age, there used to be two or three evening newspapers. So I'd go around a housing estate and for what we'd say then a few bob a week would uh, put the paper through the door. And I remember one November evening on my uh, bicycle, and this was about four or five miles from home, seeing my father walking along the road at about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the evening. And it was one of those bitterly cold nights. It was pouring down with rain. And he's walking along the road along which the bus travelled en route to home. And I was just coming along this pathway nearby and he didn't see me and I just uh, hid behind, stayed back behind this, uh, these trees in fact. And then after a little while I got home. Uh, being on the bicycle I went another way and arrived home before he did. And he got home and he was absolutely soaked to the skin. And the shoes had, uh, the soles of them were so thin that his feet were, were soaking wet. And he didn't um, say that he'd walked home on this, this evening. It was the day before payday, I remember. It was the Thursday evening. And just said nothing. And just washed and changed his trousers and uh, socks and uh, shoes and the following day he's off to work another six or seven miles and walking there and what he didn't say was that he didn't have any money for the bus fares to get to work and back and I had a reminder of all this and this is when I was 14 and most of us very rebellious with our parents wanting to wear at that time, this is lifetimes now ago, winkle picker shoes and drain pipe trousers and trying, desperately trying to grow some sideburns which wouldn't occur. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Presley's influence, it's your influence. So, um, and, uh, and I, had a rem I, had a, I had a reminder of this because the uh, dentist for our parent, my father went to see just recently the dentist. And he was having some trouble with uh, his very few, uh, with, with, with some teeth that had been pulled out. And the dentist, who's a friend of the family of my parents, said to my uh, mother that um, the teeth um, had never been pulled out by a dentist. And as it transpired, my father had pulled out his own teeth when they were rotting. 
And for more than 30 years, the roots had been left. And it was this that was giving him trouble. And um, what touched me uh, about it, and obviously from poor family and so forth, was that nothing had been said, either about the walking home at the end of the week because there was no money to, for the buses, or about pulling his teeth out because he didn't want to go to the dentist because it cost a few pounds for that to take place. And it struck me <coughs> in, um, in retrospect and how sometimes situations and, in a way, acts of um, love and acts of understanding take place and get expressed in this world in quite beautiful and, and loving ways and nothing gets verbalized about it. We don't, we don't actually know the love, the understanding, the, the, the sacrifice which has been made. And I, and I think this happens a lot more in our world, rather quietly, rather, rather, rather si silently. And, and it's somehow we, I think we very easily miss these, these actions of actual self-sacrifice which get channeled and uh, made manifest in numerous ways towards life, towards, towards other people. And, it, and it's interesting how sometimes a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of um, knowing about something or someone, it, is, it, it, it can have such a potent, a potent impact. And I remember, because I remember this incident, particularly with my uh, uh, father, how um, this, the arguing and all the tensions and all the things that used to go on uh, between us um, didn't really abate. It's not that we, that uh, I suddenly found him to be so marvelous. But, um, <laughs> but somehow there's some kind of recognition, some kind of feeling contact in which one appreciates and feels this uh, gratitude in spite of all that went on and the difficulty that a, a father then can have with a son or a daughter with a, a father. And I think with regard to love and understanding, I think the, the link in a way between love and understanding is quite inseparable. And the inseparableness of it means that if there is understanding, if one understanding is emerging in our life and, and, and showing itself in various ways that it can, what then accompanies it is the love for it. And, and so love and understanding really harmonize together. And one of the things which is important here, to obviously important, is the way we understand ourselves and therefore, the way, if at all, we love ourselves. Because unless, in a way, we can tap the places of love within ourselves, and for ourselves, in, a, in almost in a particular kind of way, it's much harder for it to be generated outwardly. Love leads to love. Caring leads to caring. And more caring leads to more caring. 
But that needs to come from a resources in a way and hopefully inexhaustible wells of love. And spiritual teachings through many years, many, many centuries, have said, if sometimes promised or implied or pointed to us, this love is something which is accessible and can be made manifest in our world and can be made manifest equally to others as to oneself. So one can't in any way bypass the teachings of genuine religious life or spiritual teachings and insights without in some way or other bringing love into it. And, and love is the fruit of it. Love is the, the, the indicator, the proof of it. So then we, so if we can to understand ourselves and our relationship to ourselves and our love for ourselves, we need to be aware, obviously, of what occurs for us which shows the lack of it. And one of the most common indicators of lack of love for ourselves is very clearly, if not rather precisely, shown to us by the way the thought speaks about ourselves. The way the thought occurs in our life, in our mind, directed towards ourselves. The way we think about ourselves is a major yardstick, a measure for the love we have. So this being with ourselves is an love for ourselves, I think it comes easily and effortlessly and not something that you and I have to strive to achieve in ourselves but love comes when we are not attacking, undermining and judging ourselves. When we are liberating ourselves from that pattern we don't have to look for love, it just comes. And it belongs to that mystery of life that love comes out of our freedom to be. So we know in our days here that we're spending time here together and the harmonizing of love and, underst love and understanding, the two going together, then we need to be rather acutely aware and almost respectful, we might say, of what kind of negative thoughts come which seem to easily sabotage and uh, dismay us in the way we, as it were, as some people have said, we get on our own case. And I think so often that this, we, I don't think we're born with this. I don't think we're born in a state of being negative or being bad or being like this. I think very much of it is not coming out of that. I think we've internalized messages. We've internalized others' expectations of ourselves and then we have formed them in such a way that we're forever trying to meet standards our own mind is setting for ourselves. And I think this is very much we've inherited this from uh, many cultural influences. But regardless of all of that, it's the way the thought comes in and then 
we get on our own case, as many of you report and notice in yourself. So then we have to ask ourselves, well, if, I, if we experience that in ourselves, then what, what can we do with this? What, what ways can we explore this kind of thought and what is occurring? Now, one of the factors which we notice is this, that with the kind of thoughts which come in that, it are the thoughts which are born especially out of some feeling of dissatisfaction. Generally speaking, when you and I are getting on our case, prior to the thoughts, there's some inner feeling of dissatisfaction, which we can't, I don't know if we can avoid and be without totally in our life. But with the feelings of this dissatisfaction come, when the thoughts follow it, accompany it, what it actually does, the thought acts like wood for the fire. It actually feeds into it. It actually increases the feeling of dissatisfaction. And catch-22, then more thoughts come because the feelings of dissatisfaction are even stronger. And we find ourselves, as it were, almost helplessly oscillating between dissatisfaction, judging, dissatisfaction, judging, and imprisoned in this. And it's this imprisonment which causes us and others and situations so much pain. What is going to dissolve this prison? What's going to open the... the the, the, the doors of the prison for us, that this ceases, this pattern, this condemnatory, self-inflicted thought has no meaning. What's going to help us realize this? So sometimes we say, we say, well, if I just watch it, and some people say, but I've been watching it for days, for weeks, for months. I've been watching it my whole life. And we, it's like we, we sometimes think that there's kind of a, a cure-all called watching. Mindfulness, awareness, looking at, letting go, or whatever. And it seems with such frequency, this watchfulness and sheds light, it helps to expose what's going on internally, but it doesn't ensure it's finished. It doesn't ensure that this pattern ceases. So where's the antidote? What's the change necessary in consciousness to really free ourselves? I hope you're not sitting here waiting for me to give some. <laughs> you were, all right, I thought so. <laughs> some quick fire remedy. Oh, yumbo. <laughs> so, if we know, if we experience this kind of pattern taking place in our, in our life, then, and we, and we know that arises, we know we're especially vulnerable to it when we're feeling dissatisfied with ourselves for one reason or another. Then the, we've got to dig deep inside, we've got to bring out the resources in, inside of ourselves and to 
look at this. And we've got to really ask ourselves, and I think this asking of oneself is a vital part of this. Do I really, deep down, really wish to be free of this judging, self-condemnating mind? Am I really serious about being free from it? Because unless we dig deep and unless we, we begin to feel really, really heartfelt, serious about this, it will keep its momentum going because we're not serious about being free from it. In a way, the intention, the, the, the motivation and the harness, harnessing of the intention and the motivation and the willing to explore and go into it through various ways can end this pattern. There's nothing like consciousness which is firm and resolute. It, it has, has a power to it that can cut through any shadow of the past. And there's enough testimony in this world of countless women and men who know the power of consciousness to dispel the figment of these old belief systems about ourselves. First, we, first you have to ask, am I really, really serious about it? Am I really serious to, to look at myself wholly and totally? Am I really serious about saying to myself, I am a human being and it's my right to be here? Really serious about saying that as a human being, I am full and complete. I am okay, no matter what the old thought says, that is not a way to measure myself. That is a completely inappropriate way of being. And to really feel the passion of, of being and not to think that thought says anything, these negative judgmental thoughts say anything true about you. It's old, old, old and utterly irrelevant. And that, that feeling of digging deep and sensing that is, and the passion of that, that will liberate us from it, once and for all, completely. And with love and with warmth and, and affection, affection in, in life, in the traditions of love, in the traditions of understanding. And all that some way makes life meaningful in an appropriate sense. There's a long-standing spiritual practices and traditions and that you see the sign outside here at IMS called uh, Metta. Metta means love. It means friendship. It means deep friendship. And a deep friendship in life which knows no, no, no separation, no isolation. And one of the long-standing practices which have been engaged in, and it's a very, very valuable practice, very valuable work for that sustaining of the nourishment and the reminders, what is called 
Meta Bawana. Bawana means development. Karuna uh, meaning compassion, friendship. And one of the things which happens, and people speak about this regularly on, on retreats and in working on themselves, that when the, the patterns of being hard on oneself and all the ways that we may employ, employ that, have a kind of regularity and a continuity to them. To actually love oneself, to actually feel, actually, I am okay. I'm alive and I'm living and I'm doing my thing and sometimes I'm, it goes well and sometimes it doesn't, etc. Et but I'm okay. And one has a feeling, a feeling about that and a, a sense and appreciation of that, that if that's quite unfamiliar, if one is, anyway, as it were, using life to prove to oneself through some different success stories that one is okay, which will never bring proof. One would never prove one is okay by trying to be successful. That will only keep showing that one isn't okay and one's got to try and be more successful and thinking that there's some end to it. There's no end to it. Okayness comes out of understanding, not out of the pursuit of success. So in sometimes when we, when, we, when, when we know in ourselves that perhaps our understanding or our, or our inner love is, has some shortcoming, and then we, we begin to perhaps direct, direct warmth, friendship, we begin to engage in so-called loving-kindness meditations. I love myself, I love others, I love life. I love the contact with people, I love the birds and the flowers and the trees and the earth. And, and that direction in that way is occurring for us. But at times, and as people report, sometimes it seems completely hypocritical. It's as though one is just saying these words of directing friendship and feeling and directing warmth and love for oneself. But one actually says, I'm doing it by the words, but actually I'm not feeling this. Actually I'm feeling very negative towards myself and I'm still judging myself and I'm still hearing this old hard voice of the past towards myself. And it feels like an enormous gap between what the words are saying, which can be healing, and what the actual experience is. And sometimes when we, when we are experiencing that, it shows the gap between love for oneself and the influence of the negative judgments. And in those times when it just seems like words, may I be happy, may others be happy, may others' hearts know love, may my heart know love, those simple gestures in a prayerful way, in a reverential way towards oneself or others. But sometimes the act of faith is to keep with that prayerful expression, to keep with that kind of caring reflection without the feeling. It's just words going through in such a way until the words, the reflection, the prayer, the wish and the heart get connected. The faith is that if by 
being with the process, they will get connected. And love, loving kindness meditations, compassion meditations, the directing of warmth, or the directing of thought to oneself and others. The faith is, if I keep doing it, if I trust in the process, the thought and the warm feeling, the thought and the inner love will meet together and I will feel it. I will experience that love, inner love. I will experience that affection for other people which dissolves the negative judgments about other people. So one may have to go through a kind of barren period, a dry period of thought just repeating and no heart linking. But consciousness is a powerful instrument. It's a transforming factor and if we're stay with our consciousness, if we stay with that process, links and connectedness starts being made and it made again and again and again and it fuses and it fuses into such its own power it dispels and shatters the mythology of negative thought. Love shatters it all. It dismisses it. It, 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 it it's it explodes it into, into nothingness, the negative, self-judging thoughts. Love thy neighbor as thyself, as Jesus said. Love all beings equally, as Buddha said. One of the other aspects, too, with, with love and with, with understanding is how in our life and in our relationship to, to life, particularly in situations like this, we may say of what we're engaged in here that it's, it seems, I don't actually believe this, but it seems primarily a self-orientated activity. And sometimes... In that, we may describe, we may say of ourselves, I am a serious seeker after truth. I am a serious seeker after freedom, after liberation, after, for liberation, for transcendence, for something be beyond or what, whatever it might be. And certainly, in that, again, we probe deeply, we go into life, we go into things together, and again, we need the energies for that, and we need the, the resources for that. But what can happen is that this seeking after truth, seeking after freedom, with all that's demanded of us, all that's being told that we... we let go of, we do without to help mobilize the energy for that it can be that love gets forgotten in our very attempt to be very clear meditatively so that as it were we can look into, as it were look into a lake, a clear lake, there are any left clear lake and see all that's on the bed of the lake and the fish and the movement, and see clearly. 
And sometimes the wish to see clearly into things, to seek into the truth of things, sometimes can be at the expense of love. That we, 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 we've converted the practice into a kind of clear mind and wanting a clear mind so much that we've forgotten the heart. And I, I would say if we forget the heart, we have forgotten half of what this is all about. So in a way, one might say, the seeking for truth or the seeking for liberation and the intimacy of love and understanding are inseparable. So if a person says, I have found the truth or I have realized what liberation is, I have found what enlightenment means, and somehow or other... It's not showing in this world in a very clear form of love. A love which is not bound to a group or a person or a situation or an ideology or whatever, but a really formless way of living and loving. One wonders whether the truth and the liberation has been found because somewhere or other the child of that is the love. If we are to know what freedom is in the world, what liberation, what the essence of all these teachings are, the way that consciousness will know is not so much by having some big bang flash wallop of an experience, whether that happens or whether that's not to me is rather incidental, the greatest freedom that a human being can express, it seems to me, is the freedom to be loving in all the directions regardless. That, sh that to me shows, that, that, that reveals to consciousness the freedom. That's the intimation, that's the sensation of it, the, the texture of it is in giving, it is in generosity, it is in... An, in Kindness. It is in warmth, in spaciousness. It is in being with and working with. <coughs> that love shows our freedom. And that, to me, seems that's important because then it puts our feet, shall we say, and our heart and our mind and our body right on the earth. It's not an abstract, ethereal state over and above consciousness up there in the, the nether realms, but something down, right down on the earth. And so I, I, I can't imagine in this world a, an emancipation which in somehow or other doesn't evolve the emancipation of others. I can't imagine a world of liberation and a liberated being which isn't in some way or other concerned for the welfare and justice and, and happiness of others. 
I can't imagine a liberation and a freedom which doesn't have a deep abiding affection for the creatures and for the environment and for all that shows the revelation of liberation. So our, so our being in the world and our living in the world and our expressions of love and all the ways that that shows itself here and elsewhere, all the gestures of that, to me, that's the indicator of one's liberation. That's what we can be most free to do in this world. And so that seeking for truth and that quest for liberation and freedom has with it that deep determination and purposefulness that the thought which undermines and which attacks and which inhibits and which, liber and which limits us, that enthusiasm to be free from the shackles of it brings out all that we might call the best. And as the Buddha has said, and as teachers of past and present have said, in spiritual life, never be satisfied with anything less than the best. So let us in our time, in our being here together, be aware and, and bear in heart and mind the, the, the countless expressions of warmth and friendship and, and affection. And one of the things which one notices, and I noticed in myself, just going back to uh, my father for a moment, having some of us, and maybe uh, one too, have, as it were, spent our whole life in... in um, whatever you might call um, religious life, both through uh, family and upbringing and education and um, travel and employment and whatever, some ordination and th things like that. And some um, of you are um, comfortable and experienced in the, in the way of uh, prayer life and life of... Uh, reflections and loving kindnesses. And one of the things which I remember when I was in my uh, teens with this uh, incident with my, uh, my father, I used to spend, I used to say my, you know, if you have a Catholic upbringing, you can resonate with this, I used to um, say my prayers um, every night through my um, um, teens and early in childhood. And one of the prayers I used to say to my father was that I would hope that we would become rich and that he would win what was called the football pause. It's a kind of the equivalent of mega bucks in America. <laughs> and, um, and he would win £75,000. This was the, the jackpot sum. So then he could drive a car home from work. And over the years, and you may have experienced this too, that sometimes with the loving-kindness meditations and, and bringing those into one's life and directing them inwardly and outwardly, that one, goes, one may go from a kind of enclosed form of it, enclosed form of oneself and one's 
close wound ones, loved ones, to somehow or other it begins to expand itself outwardly. Because those periods and those moments when there's no judging and no condemnation and no hatefulness either to oneself or others and there's none of those dark shadows let us say occurring in our experience and those times our feeling of life and our appreciation of life and our connectedness with it is something very simple very pure remarkably beautiful something very precious about it and nothing abstract quite tangible when that, that kind of thought just isn't functioning and in that heart and mind and body is quite clear and through, through that the expressions of affection and love get generated and generated and generated and in a way are the expression of truth it's not like the seeking for truth as some end, the seeking for liberation as some end, but the capacity to generate affection and love and to give and to share and to receive and to be receptive in a remarkable way show the liberation. Not like we're going towards the liberation and we'll achieve it if once we've really... But we can actually sense it right through our being, through the gesture through the silence, through the affection, through the giving. And I don't think any of that is as far away from us as we think. I think all of this which has been said this evening and has been said on previous evenings and will be said in the future, is actually much more accessible than what we think. I think all of this is really tangible. It's something very close at hand. And the proof of it is in the world already. The proof of it is in we are sitting here being together. Proof of it, we are the generation living on earth and being together and supportive for each other and for the various processes that are occurring. The proof of it is already all around us. So let's live with love and understanding, with the truth, with immediate freedom and liberation. May all beings see into life. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings live with love.
let's have a two or three minute quiet period, shall we?